gonna be just like senior year, except for funner. Hey guys, I'm Kendra. Hi, I'm Mercedes, and this week we're talking about a story about love that is not a love story, 500 Days of Summer. This is going to be a very spicy episode, guys. I can already tell. But of course, Mercedes, we have to talk about our celebrity crush of the week. Tell me who you're crushing on this week. Okay, mine is kind of random. It's the comedian Mark Marin. I don't know. I don't know why. I can't explain it. I heard him on a different podcast yesterday, and he was just, like, so chill and, like, such a joy. I don't know. I was digging it. Now I'm going to binge, like, all his podcast episodes. Wait, am I looking at... The, is he old? Am I looking at the... Yeah, right? he's old. <laughs> what are you doing? This, <laughs> no, you need to just hear him talk. Like, he was just, like, so chill and funny and, like, a little grouchy. Wait, hold on. Let me... I'm Googling how old he is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's the same age as Brad Pitt. That's okay. Okay, okay. That's, we'll allow that. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm going to butcher his name, but he is so fine, so I'm so Ooh. sorry to listening to this. Tom Vlashiha. Vlashiha. That he, sounds good. Yeah, that sounds... Okay, we'll, we'll go with yeah. that. So he's a German actor, and he played Jack and Hagar in Game of Thrones. And I finally caught up on Stranger Things, and he plays one of the Russian guards in it. I have always thought he was so cute. Like, I love his long hair when he plays Jack in. But I learned that he speaks English, German, Italian, and Russian fluently. Mercedes, that's the kind of man I want. I want someone just so cultured and knowledgeable about the world. And it's so attractive to me when guys speak multiple languages. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm currently learning German. I've been studying German for, like, the past three months. And I'm just trying to level up because I remember getting the advice, be who you want to date. So if you want someone who is cultured and smart and funny, you have to be those things. So I'm trying. (laughs) I love that. That's a good goal. I mean, you're already a world traveler, traveling everywhere every other month. (laughs) So (laughs) you're on your way. Thanks, girl. Thanks. All right, guys, we're going to move over to TLDR. We just like to summarize the movie for anyone who has not seen it. Although, if you have not seen 500 Days of Summer, what are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) Warning, there are spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen this movie, you can stream it on Amazon Prime. Take it away, Mercedes. Yes, so this movie tells a 500-day story about love and heartbreak in a non-linear format. So I'm going to be giving the TLDR in a linear way just to make it easier to follow their relationship. So Tom Hansen is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he first meets Summer Finn, played by Zoe Deschanel, on her first day as the new assistant at the greeting card company where he works. And he believes she's the one. He just thinks that she's the perfect girl because they have similar tastes in music and a lot of other similar quirks. His crush builds and he learns she doesn't believe in love. After a night of karaoke, it's revealed to Summer that he likes her and they remain friends, but soon after she kisses him at work. Summer tells Tom up front that she doesn't want a relationship and wants to keep things casual. Tom agrees. The two start spending more time together and having fun, but Tom's lingering desire to be Summer's boyfriend never really goes away. Summer can't promise him how she'll feel in the future. She focuses more on if they're having fun. Soon after that, though, Summer ends the relationship and Tom is in shock. Summer changes jobs and Tom spends months in misery. Months later, the two find themselves as guests at a co-worker's wedding and spend the evening catching up. Tom believes this is his chance to win her back, but when he's invited to a party at Summer's place, his expectations are destroyed by the reality that Summer is engaged. He's devastated, 
But after harsh advice from his sister, Tom begins to see and realize the incompatibilities he had with Summer. His outlook changes, and he suddenly is motivated to pursue architecture again. And one day, he runs into a now-married Summer at the park. She explains how he was right about love, just not right about her. The two part ways, finally at peace with one another. And on day 500, while waiting for a job interview, Tom meets Autumn, played by Minka Kelly, and asks her out. Thus begins a new love story for Tom. <laughs> This is a 2009 film written by Scott Newstater and Michael H. Weber, who also wrote The Disaster Artist, The Spectacular Now, and The Fault in Our Stars, like literally some of the best movies. It's directed by Mark Webb, who also directed Gifted and The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. And I just have a really quick funny story about that. So the movie Gifted stars Chris Evans, right? And Jenny Slate. I think that's where they met and like dated. Yes. My I love that. I yeah. I love that couple. <laughs> love that couple. I have actually never cried so hard while flying thirty seven thousand feet in the air than like watching that movie. I watched it on a plane, and I watched I it was, on a plane too. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of embarrassed because I had a window seat, so there are two people sitting next to me, and I am over here sobbing for like the whole movie. I'm over here just like sniffling and wiping my tears, and it was so embarrassing, but also like I don't. Sometimes I don't know if being that high up in that altitude makes you have like your emotions just kind of thin. But yeah. I feel like I cry a lot on planes. My, one of my Same. favorite movies is How to Train Your Dragon. And I watched it on a plane and I started crying. I've seen it a million times. So I started crying. And I was like, I think my emotions just get all wonky. <laughs> when yeah. I'm so high up. <laughs> I like notoriously choose the worst movies to watch on planes that are like extra sad and about like illness <laughs> and like all these all these things and I'm like why did I do this to myself because now I'm just sitting here sobbing people think I'm crazy next to them <laughs> like you have to keep going to the bathroom to like yeah. make sure I look human oh my god exactly it's you know what is crazy though so at the beginning of this movie there is a lie that's like none of the characters are like except for uh, and this isn't supposed to be impersonating anyway except for you Jenny Beckman bitch like what is that yeah. message on the very beginning Jenny Beckman is actually a real girl who dumped one of the screenwriters and summer is based on her and the movie is about their relationship and i think that's why so many relate to it because it is a real story that actually happens to people but it happens specifically to one of the screenwriters and i thought that it's was so cool. interesting because mm-hmm. newstatter said that it's like 75 percent accurate to like his own heartbreak with mm-hmm. Jenny Beckman, so-called. Mm-hmm. But he also said that when she read the screenplay, she related most to Tom. Hmm. Which I think is just really telling to, like, how skewed our own point of views can be and, like, uh-huh. how one relationship can't really be told from one point of view, you know? Like, there are just... There are two people experiencing this. That's so interesting because, I mean, these characters are so different in terms of, like, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling... So for a summer to feel like Tom, it almost seems like it's not possible because of how different their emotions were in this film, right? I think it really is like we're really seeing Tom's point of view. And on many occasions online and in interviews, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has had to defend Summer against these Tom supporters who frame her as this villain. There's many reasons why people misunderstand this movie and really defend Tom's actions through and through. But I mean, if the leading man is telling you to reevaluate, maybe we all should, you know? Like, I know so many people who are just like, Summer's such a bitch, I can't watch that movie. And I'm like, whoa. Oh, my God. Like, they're both very flawed here. And there's a lot of miscommunication going around all around. Yeah. 
I'm excited to get into it. I am too. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just so unproblematic. Like he's just such, oh, I have so much to say about him. I'm going to save it for later. But just know my love for JGL runs deep. <laughs> he's, he's so just like charming that you want to trust him and you want to believe him even when he's being like a dick. <laughs> As we're going to move over to Time Castle Mercedes and I, I just like to recall where we were when we watched this movie which I definitely saw this in theater. And I think that's the first time I freaking remember. Yay. Like, I definitely saw this in theater. This was, 2009 was a year that I was obsessed with writing down movie trailers. I have said in, like, previous episodes. Though I had no idea until this time that I watched it that took place in L.A. I can't even believe that. My mind is blown. The way that they shot it, I've never seen a filmmaker make L.A. not feel so Hollywood and, and so beautiful, flashy. It's so subtle and understated, and I feel like this movie's version of L.A. is a type of L.A. I'd love to live in. If the listeners don't know, I live in L.A., but, like, I just feel like <laughs> watching this movie, I'm like, that's not where I live. <laughs> it's so different. You gotta go downtown and look up at the buildings. <laughs> See, that's the thing, too, is I noticed this all took place downtown. I'm like, downtown's yeah. a rough area. It's a rough area. There's a lot of, yeah, unhoused people, and it's not always the safest, and so a lot of... I mean, there it's definitely been made up and it looks a lot nicer, but it's it's, it's a rough area. Mm -hmm. The first time I watched this, I was 13 or 14. I can't really remember because I know I, I all I know is I waited so long to for this to be on DVD. I remember I would watch the trailer all the time, but it didn't release in theaters in Albuquerque. So I had to wait till it was on DVD. And then I watched it so many times. Oh, my God. I remember, like, classically, I watched this Valentine's Day and Paper Heart when I had surgery when I was 14 at the end of eighth grade on loop for two weeks, just, like, in recovery. So I've seen it so many times. And the soundtrack had an insane impact on me. I just, I loved it. It changed my whole, like, indie music teen yeah. vibe forever. And I just wanted to emulate Summer's entire style. For me, this movie, like, feels like Tumblr, like, scrolling on Tumblr and, like, walking around Urban Outfitters as a teen. Like, that, like, I could, like, smell Urban Outfitters when I'm watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mercedes, I feel like the reason I relate to Tom the most, which is funny because we have, we have briefly talked about our thoughts of on this movie before this episode. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize I haven't seen this movie since, like, 2017 because the last time I watched it, I watched it with a group of friends. We all went to Atlanta and they were all taking Summer's side, but I was taking Tom's side. And that was before I was in a relationship. And like, I feel like even though my first and only relationship wasn't that long, it did change my perspective on this film a bit. But I feel like the reason I relate to Tom so much was because I feel like I've never been properly given a chance to like show how great like of a partner I can be. And I'm saying all of this because I just watched this movie. I was I recalled who I had a crush on in 2009. Ooh. And I've mentioned him in our Valentine's Day episode, which all of you guys should go and listen to. Uh, I briefly mentioned my crush that year, which is this guy named Will Story. But I didn't go into details. So I thought I'd finally tell the story of Will Story. And I feel like I've always wanted to say that too. <laughs> yes. I'm so ready. yeah, Will was really good friends with my friend Taylor. And we went to school together all four years i swear i never even knew that he existed until like the end of my junior year slash like beginning of senior year which is crazy never even knew his name nothing but he was just like really nice unlike the other guys in my grade i just had such you know i always talk about how i was severely bullied in high school and just had a really hard time even just walking down the halls and then all the guys were just so mean to me and will was not like he was super artsy he kept to himself he was really quirky like he reminds me of like a mixture of summer and tom almost but i spent all of senior year like 
getting the scoop on him from my friend Taylor. Like I would see them together, like sitting together at lunch or walking down the halls. And then I'd call Taylor after school and be like, Taylor, what did he say today? Like, <laughs> what's his favorite color? What's his favorite? Like stuff like that. So I like took me forever to like actually talk to him, but I would I felt like I knew everything about him from Taylor. And the two, my best friend Anne, she lived like a few houses down from him. And she lived in like this weird neighborhood where you had to like circle around like there are two streets. You can either go directly on her street or you can go down another street and circle around. And okay. the street that he lived on, I would always w- drive down his street to loop around to go to her uh, house just so I could like drive past his house. And I was at her house a lot. <laughs> so I did that <laughs> a lot. And I just freaking loved him. I really just loved him. I just thought he was so interesting. I would park my car next to his every day. This was like junior year. And towards the end of the year, I asked him to prom by putting sides on both of our cars. So it just like, since I parked next to him, I had like on my car, like, will you and on his go to prom with me or something. And it was like, obvious that it was me because it was my car. And he said no. (laughs) (laughs) He said no. And I ended up going with my, actually my junior year, I did not have a date to prom, which was a bit heartbreaking. But it's so interesting because I always wonder like what would have been if Will and I were ever a thing. I saw a picture of him recently. I think he like works at Zoomies or something like the corporate side of <laughs> oh okay i was like yeah, all right, <laughs> I, right. <laughs> I think he does like graphic design for them or something which is okay really cool, but yeah i always wonder about will's story he's like the one that got away from me <laughs> some of those crushes have such a lasting impact like they mm-hmm. are so memorable yeah they really are i just loved him what about you mercedes who did you have a crush on <laughs> oh my god I had a crush on, I've definitely talked about him before. He was two years older than me and he went to Down school. Plane. And Yes, yes. <laughs> I sat behind him on a plane once. Well, he sat in front of me. This was a Southwest flight. So let me remind you, you pick your own seats. <laughs> So that was a choice he made. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, he was perfect. He was so tall and just he played soccer and he was quiet and, and like shy. And I was like, you're everything to me. I know nothing about you and you're perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I was 13 when this movie came out and it came out in the summer after seventh grade. And I think this was the summer that I started wearing contacts, which was major for me. Picture me with a full on glasses tan over my nose for like months because I just like it would not go away. So I just had this line there with my with my contacts and it was just so funny and full brace face and every middle school every middle school summer I remember I would play soccer and play tennis those were like the things I was definitely doing and I spent most of my time with my friend Serena and we would do like tennis lesson and then we'd like go to the mall and like binge secret life of the American teenager and we were either at her house or my house and like we were inseparable every summer and she didn't go to my school so then we'd get to meet up with public school kids because I went to private school so that was always so exciting like going to the mall and meeting up with like boys who would didn't know like <laughs> it's like oh my god you went to private school i did not know that did you go to private school your whole life or just high school no just middle school and high school interesting yeah wow i'm very impressed <laughs> yeah, it was a very small school <laughs> love it all right guys it's time for the rom-com hall of fame but of course this is gonna be my favorite part we have to roast this movie Bruce, it is. I, we, have a, yeah. we have a lot to talk about so. there's a lot <laughs> this is a lot stay tuned stay with us listeners we're gonna get through this okay Tell me. Tell me your hot takes. <laughs> okay. My first one is I hate Tom's friend, Mackenzie. He is so annoying. He calls Summer a lesbian when she says she's independent. She He describes women as skanks and bitches. And I think and that's just so annoying. And like, so 2009, I just I hate it. 
And I think he just makes Tom worse. He enables him and his behavior. And I just don't trust him. Anytime he's on screen, I'm like, this guy, he's one of those dudes. You know, he's one of those. It's like, hashtag nice guys finish last, whatever. Just the worst type of man. I I, I hear you. I do agree. I feel like this movie, we have to address pretty privilege, which is something we weren't talking about then, right? Yeah. But. If we look at if we look at the character of Summer, that's all her entire life is. So the definition of privilege is the special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group, right? Mm-hmm. And that group are people who look very good, like people who are highly attractive, and they're and they are attractive by a majority of society. And there was an entire montage of Summer getting things like discounts on apartments. Or like warranting a lot of stares on the bus or just like this the spike in song sales when she like quoted it in her yearbook. And I just feel like all of that is just because she's pretty. The reason I'm so passionate about pretty privilege is because we cannot be doing that anymore. The the term this is this is so lame, but the term beauty is in the eye of the beholder is so true. And it's just like as someone who has never benefited from pretty privilege, I'm just roasting this aspect of the film because we as a society cannot do that anymore. We just cannot if I work hard, I deserve the same I mean, I guess I have a hard time kind of fully explaining myself because I don't want to like say anything too controversial. But just like if if you work hard and you're a good person and you try and all of these things, like everyone should be treated equally. It just bothers me because things like getting discounts on apartments at like a 25% below average, like, come on. (laughs) <laughs> we all deserve those things. Pretty privilege is definitely real. I mean, it and honestly, it mainly centers on on around like people's proximity to thinness and whiteness mm-hmm. and their proximity to Western beauty standards, which is just a mess because that's not the majority of the world. It's frustrating because it's just it's so out of everyone's control or it feels out of everyone's control. I don't know if you feel this way, but I've never trusted the narrator of this movie. I've never known if the story of Summer is accurate. Hmm. Tell me more. Tell okay, me more. so yeah, I have a lot to say about this. Like this film is entirely from the perspective of Tom and the narrator speaks in this very all-knowing manner. But it's not an omniscient narrator. He only tells Tom's experiences and Tom's point of view. So I always assumed that this backstory of Summer at the beginning is more of like the assumption of the fantasy of what Summer is and who she grew up to be. Because even like when Summer's about to speak up and open up in different parts, like when she's talking about her dreams and she's like, oh, I never said that before. That's when we hear the voiceover, like completely just talks over her and like we don't hear it anymore. So like anytime we were finally going to get her POV, it's skewed by this voice. And I think this really starts with the beginning credits with the Jenny Beckman bitch line where it offers a lot of validating to the viewers who want to vilify Summer. So you're already on this pathway toward Summer is the villain analysis. And it's just such a skewed point of view. And she's actually honest from the start. A lot of her actions don't meet up with what she says. And I know that. But you are drawn into this perspective. Like I said before, even the fact that like Joseph Gordon-Levitt says to try to put yourself in Summer's shoes. I don't think she's blameless, but I also don't think she deserves the blame she receives. And a lot of that has to do with this so-called objective narrator, but is actually so subjective for Tom. (laughs) I think, too, a lot of people, especially in this dating app culture where we are constantly swiping and constantly looking for the next thing, a lot of people can relate to Tom of just like desiring something. Something I really liked that he said is talking about how 
when they got into a fight after he stood up for her at the bar and he punched mm-hmm. that guy, they go back to her apartment and Summer's like, why did you do that? We're, we're just friends. And he's like, bullshit, we're not just friends. Like, friends don't do these things together. And you're not the only one who gets a say in it. I get say too. And I say we're a couple. And the reason I think that line is so powerful is because it's so true. Like, obviously, uh, an entire relationship cannot be dictated by just one person. But who do you listen to in that situation when you both want different things? I think a lot of people can relate to Tom of desiring to have something, but because the other person doesn't necessarily want what you want, you you compromise or you relent on a lot of things that you want. But like deep down, you know exactly what it is that you want. Like you want to be with this person. You want to you want to be a couple. You want to be exclusive. And so I think that's the point of vilifying Summer is because more people can relate to Tom than Summer. I'm not saying that it's okay, but that's kind of where... I feel like the right was leaning more towards. Yeah, I think it's just so tricky because I don't know if I hear that somebody has different goals for relationship than I do, then I'm not going to put them through whatever, you know, like you need to put your ego aside. You're not going to change someone's point of view. You're not going to change someone's emotions toward you or how they feel about what they want out of a relationship. Those aren't things that you can actively change for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And he thinks he can. He thinks that like, oh, we have the same music taste. Like we are quirky in the same way. We're indie in the same way. Like we have fun. Like those are all reasons. Even in the scene where she tells him about her dream and she's like, oh, I never said that before. Like that's all like just pillow talk. And sometimes you do say stuff you've never (laughs) said before because you're just hanging out and like there's nothing else to say anyway. And so like you never even know if it's that deep or if it's just Tom like congratulating himself for getting something out of something. Yeah, exactly. And and this is just going off of what you said. This is a PSA to all men. Just because a girl likes the same crap that you do does not mean she's the one. I feel like so many men are like this and they don't even take the time or even bother getting to know the person actually. They're just like, oh, like, okay, this was very prevalent with my ex. Like, I just feel like he wanted me to just like the things that he liked. Never asked me a single question about what it is that I liked. Never showed any interest in what I liked. Asked me questions about nothing. He was just like, hey, you need to watch this anime. You need to listen to this song. You need to do this. And it was all oriented towards him. And that was so annoying. So I just encourage everyone, actually get to know mm-hmm. the person. Because then it's like, okay, you're not actually the person I'm looking for when you get over the fact that they like all the same stuff that, that you do. And then Yes. No, <laughs> just like stop putting people on a pedestal because it's so dangerous to your own well-being too. And he's just projecting this fantasy onto Summer and that's so naive and immature to think that that's like any way to like be in love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just like this so-called compatibility and it's so surface level and it's frustrating. Like he sees this beautiful girl and is immediately like, oh my God, I love her style. I love like all these things. And he's so focused on idolizing her rather than actually getting to know her that he dismisses all their disagreements by changing it to something that they agree on. Even in the bar before the punch, when he's talking crap about that girl across the bar who's like very pop LA, like very Mm -hmm. Paris LA dressed. And she's like... I don't know, maybe she likes it. Or even in the record store when he's just like, I can't believe there's people who don't like this music or like don't know who this band is. She was like, I didn't. And it's like, yeah, yeah. of course. Like, he would hate me. He would hate me. <laughs> <laughs> detest me. And I don't know. You can't just like count up the likes you have with somebody and call that compatibility. Because mm-hmm, that just exactly. leads you to like such a skewed view mm-hmm. of what your relationship is. 100%. I think the last roast that I have for this movie, surprisingly, that whole montage where Tom is like putting in absolutely zero effort to try to get Summer's attention, right? Like he yeah. turns up his Smith song. Oh, so actually like, First of all, the, the fact that you think no effort is all is effort. Ugh. I heard this great quote on TikTok that, that said, 
listen, I know that you like me, but liking me is not enough to keep me around or build with Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you need to actually use something. And also, too, he immediately, when he thought that he got rejected by her, he immediately called her a bitch. And to me, that's just so frightening because there's so many stories of women losing their lives because they rejected Literally. Her. Exactly. And it's just like that. He, he gave me, in that moment, he gave me that energy where he's, like, he did absolutely nothing. Didn't even talk yeah. to her. He just asked how her weekend was. She was like, oh, it was good. And he took that as like, oh, my God, she's not into me, blah, blah. And then it's just like this narrative that men make up in their heads. Like, I got rejected when actually yeah, you didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden, a woman is dead. That's like, exactly. you know. No, yes, I, com- I completely agree with you. It's like it's- such incel culture. And it leads mm. to violence in a lot of different ways. Or yeah. you have these, like, acts of revenge on a woman who didn't even want you in the first place. Oh, my God. It's just, it's disgusting. And, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, my it, God. That it, bugs me it so is, much. <laughs> it is disgusting, but it also leads to, like, my favorite quote of the movie because I love Ooh. when, <laughs> I know, my favorite quote is when they're sitting in the diner at the beginning and somebody's like, I mean, We've been, like, sitting Nancy for months now. Sid stabbed Nancy. Seven times at the kitchen. I mean, we have some disagreements, but I hardly think I'm Sid Vicious. No, I'm Sid. Oh, so I'm Nancy. Like, <laughs> yes, I do love that line. Also, did you know that Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt have like done a whole skit of Sid and Nancy? It's just on YouTube. It's from this like era. I think it was maybe like a year before this because they've been uh-huh. friends for so long, and they just did it for fun. Interesting. That's so bad. Yeah. You check it out. <laughs> yeah. My favorite quote is from Summer, and it's I just don't feel comfortable being anyone's girlfriend. I don't actually feel comfortable being anyone's anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just find it very relatable for this point in my life right now. And <laughs> that's all I'll say. I do too. I gotta give props to Rachel and his sister because I really liked what she said. I know you think that she was the one, but I don't. No, I think you're just remembering the good stuff. Next time we look back, I, uh, I really think you should look again. And I like that because I heard... (laughs) Have you have you seen that prompt? I talk about TikTok a lot because that's like literally all I do is TikTok. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, have you seen that prompt that's like, well, what's a scam that's become so normalized we don't even realize it's a, a yes, scam anymore? I have. Okay, so someone, oh, was it that one? Okay, what is a really deep quote from an unlikely source or something Ooh, like that? Okay. And this guy was talking about this quote, how it ends is how it was. That's the quote. How it ends is how it was. And basically you can kind of, you can kind of allocate that to every aspect of your life. So they were talking about it in a work environment of like, okay, how you end your day is how your entire day is. But it can be the same in relationships, right? How it ends is how your entire relationship is. And for me, that's very true because I feel like my relationship ended badly. And so to me, like my entire relationship was bad. And you don't remember the good things. And I feel like it's interesting that Tom is almost having the opposite effect where like he's only remembering the good things and not remembering the bad things. Yeah. And I wonder what causes that like what stems that i honestly i don't know either i think it's just the fact that he was just so consumed by his own ego that he couldn't Mm -hmm. see the reality in front of him Mm -hmm. and i mean that happens to the best of us too you know and it's so interesting to me that literally his wisest confidant is his like 12 year old sister in this movie i'm like you have these grown men best friends and they don't give you any good advice are you serious matthew gray googler step up 
Like, <laughs> I need more. So with that being said, Mercedes, would you swipe left on this movie or would you swipe right? So I'm swiping right. Yeah, <laughs> right? Despite all I have to say, I love this movie. It's so beautifully shot. I think I'm more frustrated by the audience than, like, the reactions there and, like, the analysis of this movie than the actual movie. I think the expectations versus reality scene is so special and so memorable, and it captures just that feeling so well in a new way that I hadn't seen in, like, 2000 cinema before and for 2009 especially this movie was just such a different take on the genre and it counters the traditional rom-com formula and it uses non-linear storytelling so it definitely has more of that like indie arty feel and I just wish Summer was given a lot more grace from viewers who villainize her and the Tom apologists are the ones who have ruined the movie like I said and I just think Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel have come to the defense of Summer so many times please listen to them because they have a lot of good points. And I mean, these people are going to sit there and ignore the like points that are being made by the leads. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. No, I hear that. I'm also swiping right. If not for anything else, for this soundtrack residence. Oh, it is yes. so perfect. They have the temper trap. They have Regina Spector. And I just love I love the film noir that they add and like the yeah. editing choices and just. God, OK, so this is my this is my JGL spiel. I love everything about Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He is exactly who you should aspire to be in Hollywood because he is, for lack of a he is a child actor. Like, he has been doing yeah. this since he was a, a kid. A long time. He is never in the media. He's never problematic. He didn't have, like, a, an era where he, like, went crazy and bought monkeys and, like, crashed cars and things like that. He has just been a very down-to-earth, charming, and, and so such a centered person. He's yeah. married. He's been married. He has a kid. He's not with the drama. And he's just, like, such a lovely, one of the best people working in Hollywood. And he's just such a lovely person. And he was one of the first celebrities I actually met when I moved here to Los Angeles. Aww. He had a hit record event. So he used to do that organization, Hit Record. And he just invited everyone out. And it was so cool. He was just like down. Like we were, it was just a big room and we all had to dress up as like Victorian era people. And he was just there with the camera and just like we were just making films and we were just filming. And it was just such a beautiful experience. But it was so cool. He's he's wonderful. He's shorter than me. But uh. <laughs> he is so special. And I think like it does prove just how sweet he is in real life because you want to root for him here even though I physically can't <laughs> I feel like it pains me to be like I can't believe I don't agree with Joseph Gordon-Levitt because you do like it your heart like melts for him mm -hmm. he's so cute he just has he does this little like side smile thing where he like his eyes get squinty and he just like releases like a, I, just a smile yes he has the best <laughs> squishy face oh gosh yeah he's precious I love it, I love it. he's great all right, guys, this is time for Couples Therapy. Mercedes and I just like to give advice to the couples on how they can improve their relationship, which I, I feel like we also have a lot here. So yes. I feel like just going off of what we've been talking about, Tom definitely needs to gain some confidence because you can tell he's deeply insecure about himself and about his life. Even mm -hmm. the way he responds to Summer in the beginning when he tells her that like he studied architecture, but he's been working at this greeting card company for so long because he couldn't find a job. He just never chased his dreams and he didn't think like very highly of himself. And so I feel like he had so much time and energy to direct towards Summer and put her on a pedestal and idolize her because he didn't have any of that love and adoration for himself. So he's like, let me pour it out onto this girl. 
And it became like almost toxic. So it's so funny because, God, I'm so sorry. I quote TikTok so much. It's like embarrassing. I mean, you are a TikToker. (laughs) I spend so much time on TikTok just for the audience (laughs) listening. I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, Okay. It's funny because on TikTok, I heard that if a man ever says something along the lines of, I can't believe someone like you would, would go out with someone like me. It's like a major red flag and you should run. You should run as fast as you can. It's not endearing. It's not, no, it is toxic. And I just feel like that's the vibe that Tom gave me. It's like he couldn't believe someone like Summer would be with him. I'll let you talk because I feel like I don't know how I feel about Summer, right? Yeah. I feel like I understand her perspective on one side. I see that she stated her feelings. She was very intentional about her desires and she was never quiet about it. She was like, listen, I don't believe in love. Why would you get married? It ends in divorce. I'm not looking for anything serious. I just want to be friends. She said that multiple times. But at the end of the day, exactly what you said, what she was saying, her actions did not match her words. And it just seemed like very selfish and controlling in a way. But I'm curious your thoughts. <laughs> I think for Summer, I yeah, I do think there's a mix up between what she says and how she acts. Mm-hmm. Plus, her feelings are never brought up after that initial I want to keep a casual conversation. We don't get an update from her. And Tom isn't honest with her from the beginning and also assumes that she's on the same page as him, even though she never voices that ever. So these two have, have a lot of communication issues. The fact that you can't have a, a mature conversation of being like, OK, well, let's have an updated. How are we feeling right now? Are you still in the same place you are? Am I still in the same mindset? And also be honest with yourself. I know she's not blameless because just because she states what she wants, that she wants something casual at the beginning. But she also not like the ruiner of this relationship either you know there's two sides here and I think Summer really just needs to reflect on what her version of casual dating is and how her actions are being translated to not only herself but also who she's dating Mm. and I think also on Tom's side he's really insecure and selfish in the way that he thinks that what he says goes too. you know, these are two people who are very adamant on their stances about love and relationships. And he projects all those fantasies and ideals onto women. And summer doesn't exist for him. And you can't convince someone to love you. If he were honest with himself and Summer from the beginning, I'm sure this whole relationship would not have lasted nearly as long as it did and wouldn't have nearly as big of an impact on him. But he's just so like flooded with his own ego. Like he has blurred vision to it all. And she's an entire person beyond his ideal version in his head. And that's so important to just like remind yourself that like he's far more interested in idolizing her and idolizing this version of her that he's made up instead of actually really getting to know her like I said before like the narrator always drowns out her vulnerable moments and he never wants to hear her differing opinions and instead just focusing on like whatever they can relate on and if he paid attention to anything besides himself for two seconds then he'd realize (laughs) that this isn't love and this isn't what he (laughs) thinks it is and he just needs to remember that you can't grow and evolve if you're dwelling and romanticizing the past either because he spends a lot of that time not getting over the relationship and instead angry and just like in this miserable mood down on his luck when really like he doesn't reflect on any of his own actions and doesn't reflect on like how he felt this whole time like he was pretty anxious this entire situation because he didn't know where he stood and summer was adamant on only doing something while it felt fun and while she was happy doing it 
So they're in such different uh, different places. And I just, I don't know, if somebody has a different idea of what they want out of a relationship than you, then don't try to mold yourself to become what they need or what they want. If that's not who you're supposed to be, then it's not going to work out anyway. And you're not going to change somebody. Mercedes, can I just make an observation? I feel like yeah. you really, like more than anyone I know, have the right tools to be an excellent partner. <laughs> oh my god that's so nice <laughs> i feel like a lot of your insight and your perspective on relationships is what's going to make you a really great person to be in a relationship with like you already told catch i just want <laughs> Kendra, i feel the same about you oh i cannot wait to see you in love oh can't wait september hopefully <laughs> oh my god i cannot wait <laughs> i cannot wait for the updates what do you think these characters' love languages are? Okay, I think Tom needs... Oh, no, he. I think he gives quality time and he needs words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. But I also think he has gift-giving in there, too, because he makes all the mixes for her, mm -hmm. which... I don't know. I think I would have been excited about in high school, but I don't know if now if I like, got a mix from a guy, I'd be like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe once. <laughs> but and then for Summer, I think it's kind of tricky because we don't really see like who she truly is. We get Tom's point of view. But from what we know, I think she gives physical touch and needs quality time. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. But I want to ask you, do you think having the love language words of affirmation stems from insecurity? No. I mean, I think it definitely can. Mm -hmm. But I think some people just need the verbal assurance on some level and not even in like some type of weird validation way just in the way of like uplifting somebody else and being like oh here's a little boost for you i think of it too in like different relationships like how much i like clung to like what teachers said about me and like how they praised me like that's a whole other like thing that like boosted me so in that i definitely for me at least like growing up it was like rooted in insecurity and then now i'm like okay i'm way more comfortable with yeah myself. i love that so if we're talking about if this couple lasts for five years i'm mean, completely honest <laughs> i'm surprised they lasted over 200 days like what <laughs> i kept counting up like the days and i was like what is this in months because i was yeah. i can't do math i'm there i'm googling on the side <laughs> i was what shocked you know? they lasted like nine and a half months what Yes, because they lasted for like over 200 days, almost 300. Okay, hold on. I'm going to do, yeah, divide by 30. Over 200 days. Yeah, like six, seven-ish months. No, they lasted like 240 or 290 or something. Okay, hold on. Okay, two One of those. Divide by 30 is eight. So, okay, yeah, we'll say, we'll say, we'll say between That's seven to nine. That's so <laughs> long. That is a long time. Also, like, if you're in a situation for eight months and you are distraught that this person is not your official, like significant other with a label then please end it like this yeah. is not gonna go anywhere good <laughs> that uh, to me that was like i don't know that felt like there could have been more communication there to let drag audio that log that's a yes. long time to just be like what are we like what <laughs> it's oh my god there's a scene in mtv the hills where adrena's like me and justin bobby have been talking again for like four months he wants to take it really slow so like no girlfriend boyfriend just like dating and lowe's like how long have you been dating four months he should probably be your boyfriend by now and i yeah. have that in my head every time i hear of these and i'm like come on like if that's it. not what you want i understand but seriously <laughs> yeah i feel the same way this is a breakup story like obviously they're not lasting and also like they flourish much more apart and they learned a lot from each other and this relationship definitely had an impact on them and their growth as people and i think that's all you can really want from an ended relationship anyway i 100 percent agree
All right, guys, it's time for Heartthrob. We're going to talk about who we would introduce to our friends and family. Tell me, Mercedes, who you take it home with you. So since Summer Finn was one of my style icons of my early teen years, I have to say her. She was the epitome of a 2009 cool girl, and I just wanted to be her in middle school. And I wore so many cardigans trying to emulate her. I, <laughs> clearly, Zoe Deschanel has had an impact on me. Like, I still I go through my phases of having bangs often. But also, like, Matthew Gray Goobler, when he has that monologue where he describes his perfect girl and then says his girlfriend is better because she's real. I melt. I'm like, okay, that's the sweetest <laughs> thing anyone says in this movie. Matthew Gray Goober, I always, I can't ever say his name. He is in every Drake Doremus movie, and I love that. So Drake Doremus is one of my favorite act- actors. Wow, he's one of my favorite directors. He directed Like Crazy. Uh, he did Newness. He did, um, oh, what's that one with Shailene Woodley? Jamie Dorden and Sebastian Stan. Anyways, he, endings, beginnings, that's it. He just Ooh. has such an authentic and raw take on relationships. And I don't watch Matthew in anything else, but I watch him in every single Drake Dreamist movie. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I know multiple people who write Matthew Gray Goobler fan fiction. So Yeah. <laughs> he has a big following. <laughs> I am introducing my friends to Rachel. I think she is just so wise and only speaks yes. truth and facts. She's also really good at listening and great at giving advice. And she just seems really insightful and empathetic. And I could use more friends like that with those qualities. So, yeah, um, I like Rachel. Rachel's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Inside from Mary Smooch goes, who would you marry? Who would you smooch? And who would you ghost? We have Tom Mackenzie and Paul. Oh my God. Okay. So I think I'd marry Paul, Matthew Gray Goobler. I would smooch Tom. I would want to marry Joseph Gordon Levitt, but just uh, Tom is a whole other thing. I mean, yeah. I guess I'd marry Tom at the end, at the end of the movie, okay. once he cleans his act up a little bit. Then I'd smooch Paul and then I'd ghost Mackenzie because we all know <laughs> I'm a Mackenzie hater. Yes. Okay. I would marry Tom. And the reason I would marry Tom is because we, we are on the same page in terms of what we want. Like, we both want to be in a relationship. We both want to be exclusive. We both believe in true love. I think we align on the things that we want. And so I feel like I would marry Tom. I would, hmm, this is hard. Smooch Paul, but not with that haircut that he has. Dude, I know. (laughs) It's so scraggly. I'm not not loving it. And then I'd go with Mackenzie. You're 100% right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Before we wrap it up, we always love to bring in a pop culture moment. And I cannot believe for the life of me that Zoe Deschanel is 42 years old. It was to me, crazy. She's just, oh, I don't know. She's just always been around my whole life. And to think yeah. that she's in her 40s and like has two kids and I just can't, I don't know. It's hard for me to see people growing up because I don't feel like I'm growing up. I feel like same. I've been the exact same person since I was a kid. So when other people are moving forward in their life, it's really hard for me to kind of like understand that to an extent. I totally agree, especially with Zoe. Like, I am a diehard New Girl fan, and that's mm-hmm. all about, like, being in your, like, early 30s. And, like, to see that I'm in my mid to late 20s now, I'm approaching that, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm almost New Girl age? How did this happen? Like, you're a New Girl age, Zoe. Like, not me. And that's how I feel. And one of my pop culture facts, you've already brought it up, and we've both raved about it, but it's this soundtrack still hits. Like, please, if you have not listened to the 500 Days of Summer soundtrack, just play it. Take a stroll. Listen to the Temper Trap. Oh, my God. I love Regina Spector. All of them. Even, honestly, the Smiths. I'm Mexican-American. I have to love the Smiths. 
<laughs> okay, so I mentioned this in our episode, 10 Things I Hate About You, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt, speaking French, <laughs> is like a whole fantasy. I just like, hot American celebrities speaking French, so like Bradley Cooper and Timothy Shalala, like when they speak French <laughs> in interviews, freaking love it. Oh my like, God. <laughs> yeah, I love when Timo speaks French. I'm like, wow. <laughs> right. Okay. So this movie has been described as the like first like millennial Facebook movie. I saw that as one of the critics described it as like the the millennial romance that defined like the Facebook generation, which is pre- pretty crazy sentence to hear. And a lot of this movie has a lot of karaoke, which I don't think of as like a millennial thing or like a generational thing because I, mm-hmm. I love karaoke. And I do have a question for you. What song yes. would you sing at karaoke in front of your crush? Okay. <laughs> I have a handful of go-to karaoke songs. Same. And they're all like, <laughs> okay, so my number one go-to karaoke song is Nothing But a G Thing by Steve Dogg and Dr. Dre. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. My, my second one is Check Yourself by Ice Cube. Oh my God. Can't <laughs> This is amazing. And then my third one is What a Man by Salt and Pepper. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm old I love it. it. What, are your, what are your go-to songs? My favorite one to sing is Last Dance by Donna Summer. Because I like to do the entire Selena, Quintanilla, disco medley. All seven minutes and 43 seconds. But a lot of karaoke places don't have that. So I have to break up the songs and do each song individually. So Last Dance by Donna Summer is like my go-to. And give, then, give us a taste, like, no, 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 no. That's it for the karaoke room. <laughs> um, but I also love to do any man of mine, Shania Twain. Mm. And then I love a good Dolly. I've been wanting to do this song by Linda Ronstadt, um, long, long time, but I haven't gotten the chance yet. And it's a sad one, so I don't think I'd sing that in front of a crush. I always have this fantasy of somebody falling in love with me while I'm singing karaoke. That's yeah. like my dream, and not because I'm good, not because I'm a good singer, <laughs> just because they're like she is experiencing the like most joy she ever will, like in this moment. <laughs> like this is like pure happiness here. So yeah. Listeners, we want to hear from you. What is your go-to karaoke song? What do you think about 500 Days of Summer? Are you Team Tom? Are you Team Summer? Have you had your own experiences like this in a relationship? Make sure to let us know your thoughts by signing to our DM at MeetCute. Again, I'm Kendra. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Kenton Hollywood. Yes, and I'm Mercedes. You can find me at MercedesGV11 on Twitter, IG, and TikTok. And if you're looking for new rom-coms, follow Meet Cute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Meet Cute on socials everywhere. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,